Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <coughs> ترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بها أقصر غايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة وبعد الممات اللهم صل وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى آله. Okay, so we left off with this work of Imam Muhasibi. May Allah be pleased with him and may Allah benefit him and us from his knowledge in this life and the next. Amen. Yeah, so we left off on this point where he was talking about how the, di- the, how the trials and the difficulties that enter upon the heart that are numerous in life he found that they stem from fudul and we spent some time talking about the idea of fudul and how fudul is like something that's extra something that's not needed, that's extra on top right, and <coughs> Then he spent some, uh, we finished that section. So we left off on where he says the following. وَوَجَدْتُ فَسَادَ الْقَلْبِ فَسَادَ الدِّينَ أَلَا تَرَى لِقَوْلِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآنِي وَسَلَّمْ أَلَا وَإِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ مُضْغَ إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ ومعنى الجسد ها هنا الدين لأن بالدين صلاح الجوارح وفسادها Interesting, huh? So he said, I found that the source of the corruption of the heart is in the corruption of one's deen. I'm sorry. I found that the corruption of one's heart is the corruption of one's deen. The corruption of one's heart is the corruption of their deen meaning that if their heart is not sound then everything else in their religious life will not be sound okay if their heart is not sound everything else will not be sound then he said do you not see the statement of the prophet peace be upon him who said verily in the body there is a piece of flesh if it is good and sound then the whole body will be good and sound and if it is corrupt then the whole body will be corrupt it is the heart so this is of course the famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, very foundational hadith, that everything goes back to the heart. And then he says the meaning of the body in this narration of the Prophet, peace be upon him, is the deen, is the person's religion, actually. And then he says because the religion is the means by which the entirety of the body and its limbs is either sound or corrupt. This is an interesting statement, right? Interesting statement. Um, I hadn't heard this before, actually. 
But this is Imam al-Muhasibi. He's saying that this is one of the angles on it. So what happens, the idea is that what happens is that if the person's heart is not sound, then it's saying the limbs will not be sound. But what this actually means is that if the person's heart is not sound, then the limbs will not be sound. If the limbs and the heart are not sound, then the entirety of the person's way of life, their deen, right? Because the religion is not... I like the expression of one of the scholars. He said that the sunnah is the art of living. The sunnah is the art of living. Essentially, right? Like the sunnah is the art of prophetic living. The prophets, they teach us how to truly live. The best example of that is the Prophet So when we study the sunnah of the Prophet we're studying the art of living. How do I live? How do I take care of my relationships? How do I deal with people? How do I deal with my job, my responsibilities, my families, my community? All of these different things that I have to balance and deal with in my life, how do I deal with them? The art of doing that is the sunnah of the Prophet so that, if the heart is, is not sound, then the whole thing will be messed up. So if you know, what is he saying? He's saying, if you take it step by step, source of all of the issues that come into the heart is not leaving these extra things. The extra things happen because people don't pay attention to the halal and the haram and so on. And then the corruption of the heart is in the corruption of the, of, of the everything. And then he says, وَأَصْلُ فَسَادِ الْقَلْبِ تَرْكُ الْمُحَاسَبَةِ لِلنَّفْسِ وَلِغْتِرَادُ بِتُولِ الْأَمَلِ فَإِذَا أَرَدْتَ صَلَاحَ قَلْبِكَ فَقِفْ مَعَ الْإِرَادَةِ وَعِنْدَ الْخَوَاطِرِ فَخُذْ مَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ وَدَعْ مَا كَانَ لِغَيْرِهِ وَاسْتَعِنْ عَلَى قِصْرِ الْأَمَلِ بِدَوَامِ ذِكْرِ الْمَوْتِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تعالى عنه. So now he's going to give the prescription. He says, and the foundation, the source of the corruption of the heart is in leaving al-muhasaba of the self. Leaving al-muhasaba. As we've talked about before, al-muhasaba is, again, it's one of these words in the Islamic dictionary, it's very important to know. Muhasaba. Um, it's funny, in like modern Arabic, the computer is called a hasub. Hasub, right? Because the computer is a tool that's doing a bunch of computing, right? And so it's taking hisab, it's doing accounting. And uh, so muhasaba is when a person does accounting with themselves. So they, they take account of themselves. As Sayyidina Umar radiallahu he said, Hasibu anfusakum qabla an tuhasabu. He said, Take yourselves to account before you are taken to account. Take yourselves to account before you are taken to account. This, of course, is like the most serious enterprise that a person can engage in, right? Of all the things, because we take a lot of things into account. Right? How do I do this? How do I do that? How's my school? How's my work? How's my finances? How's my? How do I figure out all of these things? Of course, all of that is part of it. What's the most? But what's the foundation of all of that? Is the heart, the nafs. When he says the nafs here, he's talking about the heart. Right. So taking the heart to account is extremely important. Now, how do I take the heart to account? How do I work on developing the heart? This is all of all of what's been talked about, right? The light at the end of the tunnel on this, for anyone who's tried it, <laughs> is that um, it's like most things. It takes a little bit of effort and it can be done. 
and not everyone maybe will attain the same levels of accomplishment, you know, but everyone can attain some level of accomplishment. And our reward is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why, what do I mean? I mean is like, you know, I've said before, when I, was in, when I was growing up, I was convinced that if I worked hard enough, I was going to play in the NBA. I was convinced, you know, Southern California, Los Angeles Lakers, 90s, 80s and 90s, like, I was going to play in the NBA, you know, that's all there is to it. <laughs> and if I work really hard, I'm going to play in the NBA. Around like 6th, 7th grade was the first time that my team got dunked on. And I realized that I'm probably not going to the NBA. <laughs> it was like one of those moments. The final score was 114 to 17. <laughs> and we were good. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want people to understand, like, we were good. Like, these were probably, like, if you were to go to people's respective schools, these were probably like the top people in their schools. And we lost 114 to 17. 97 points. The number two ranked team in the entire country. Nike used to give them credit cards. Like they buy whatever they want. They go buy it. They were like 12 year olds. You know, they were dunking at age 12. And, uh, and this, by the way, was with, you're not allowed to do full court press after you're up by like 20 or 25 points. So this is after doing half court press the whole game, they still beat us by 97. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going to the NBA. Didn't matter how hard I tried. Could I be a competitive basketball player with like a random person? Yeah, alhamdulillah, I could. Could I know the game? Could I be able to compete? Could I be physically fit enough to be able to do that and so on and so forth? Alhamdulillah, all of that was possible. But could I compete at that level? No. It is a reality of the world that some of us are going to be really amazing, incredible people. And some of us, you know, like myself, you work hard at it for many, many years and you're still like, okay, alhamdulillah. <laughs> It is what it is. Inshallah, <laughs> you know? someone else will take this and, and do something great with it. It's the qadr. Some people, mashallah, they really have like isti'adad. Even in the books of spirituality, they talk about it. But some people have isti'adad. They have like this, there's something in them that you see them and you're like, wow, this person has a different capacity. They can really do amazing things. It's part of the world. Allah is, Allah. And nobody's going to be dealt with unjustly. We're like, well, isn't that unjust? And it's not unjust. Actually, you know what? The other side could say that it's unjust. Someone who has all of this potential and all of this capability and so on and so forth, they're going to be held accountable for that too. And everything that they did and all of their leadership position and all this stuff, they're going to be held accountable for all of that. And then us, all we have to do is love them. And we get the same level. <laughs> so they do all the work. All we do is love them. And then inshallah, we get the same level as them. It's a really nice situation actually for the ones who are, not we, like we as in me, not you guys, you guys, mashallah. Inshallah, I can just try to love you and then you don't forget us, inshallah. So the, the source of all corruption in the heart is to leave the muhasaba, leave this accounting. To leave this accounting. وَالِغْتِرَارْ بِتُولِ amal. And to be deceived. I always I got stuck on this last time too. I always get stuck on this uh, word, and I feel like when you translate it just regularly, it, it loses its what it means. Does anyone remember what we said? Tool al What do you What do you do usually, Sheikh? What they What did he use? False hopes. False hopes. Yeah, that's what I was. 
Imam Zaid, I think that's good. I think false hopes is good. Tool al-amal is false hopes. It's like this person has these long hopes and these long aspirations and they're not really founded on a whole lot and they're always just like 20 years into the future but they're missing everything that's happening in front of them. So the idea is that this person, maybe I need to do muhasaba of myself. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I have this problem but I can always deal with it next week. <laughs> you know, I can deal with it. I have some time still. I'm still young. Right? I have some time still, I'm still young, I can, I can take my time, I can work on this later. And we don't know that, right? That's a false hope. It's a false hope that, that that's a possibility. Maybe it's not a possibility. Maybe we don't have that time left. I always tell this story, but I, I remember it vividly, which was when I was at ICY. And there was a, an incident it's like the summer had just started. Be careful in the summer, people. Summer had just started, and there were some brothers, high school age. They got in their car. They were going to the beach. I'll leave out the details. Uh, they got in the car. They were going to the beach, and they were speeding very fast. On um, What road is that? I think it was Jamboree, right? Yeah, it was on Jamboree. And there was a really bad accident. Everyone in the car died. And <clears throat> they were high school age, right? They weren't really like masjid kids, but in a sense that like we didn't know them so much from the masjid, but like the kids who came to the masjid knew them because everyone's in high school together and stuff like that, you know. Allah Allah has mercy on them. And I remember one of the one of the young kids that used to come in particular coming over to my house that evening, and like some of the youth group people were there and stuff, and. And uh, or my apartment, I should say. And um, then one of the kids, he said to me, he was still in high school. And he said, Sheikh, he would always be telling us, like, you don't know how much time you have, and this is. And we keep. He's like, in our heads, we keep thinking to ourselves, yeah, but we're in high school, like we have plenty of time. We have this, we have this, we have this. And he's like, now this kid that I was in PE with just yesterday, he's not in PE today, you know. I was like, Subhanallah, that's that's the reality of it, you know. Like right now, if I have something inside of myself right now, and I know it, I should make Tawbah right now. Like right now, in this instant, I should make Tawbah and turn back to Allah. Say, Allah, I have this thing, this thing, and this thing, and this thing. Allah, please forgive me. Allah, I'm going to try to, I don't know how I'm going to do it, Ya Allah, but you're Allah, and this is my intention. And I want to stop this thing. And I want to get better about this thing, and forgive me. And then, alhamdulillah, everything will be clean. So then he said, so the foundation of the corruption of the heart is in leaving that accountability and being deceived with false hopes. So because why? If, I have, if I left the accountability and I'm deceived with these false hopes, it doesn't matter, then everything's it's going to a state of corruption. He says, but if you want to fix the heart, then qif ma'ani irada. He says, so if you want to rectify the heart, then stand with, this is a literal translation, but it means stand with your irada. Your irada is your desire. And your khawatir are those things that pass through the mind. 
So basically, every human being, right? We all are filled with wants and desires. He's saying, if you want to fix your heart, okay, here's what you do. Pay attention to the things that you want and the things that you desire and take analysis of them. See what the situation with them is. Okay, I want to do X right now. Why? I want to do Y. Why? I'm thinking about this. Why are you thinking about that? I'm spending time on this. Why are you spending time on that? Like start the, start the process of analysis. Right? If you want to get the heart going, then start to think about this. It's a very tricky thing. It's a very tricky thing. I'm not saying there's. I'm not saying it's bad to like engage in public speaking. You know, alhamdulillah, public speaking is a thing. Some people do it and they're very sincere and stuff. But I'm. I'm all. I'm often like quite entertained when I see people who just don't buy into the system. You know, like they'll speak because someone asked them to speak. And because they're people of knowledge and they should speak, right? But they're not playing any games with you. It's just straightforward. And they're really, they're really conscious about themselves, so they're not also falling into the same things. Again, I'm not judging people who speak. Some people are very sincere. But like, uh, some people come to mind. Sheikh Mukhtar, Hafizullah. Sheikh Mukhtar Maghrawi. If you listen to him speak, he has a very particular way of speaking. They're like, okay, he's going through some serious muhasaba while he's speaking. You know, it's really, a, it's really kind of a cool thing to watch. So says, pay attention to your irada. Pay attention to your khawatir. فَخُذْ مَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ وَدَعْ مَا كَانَ And take from these things that you're paying attention to. Take that which is for Allah and keep it. And whatever is not for Allah, give it up. Whatever is not for Allah, give it up. If it's for power, if it's for fame, if it's for wealth, all of those things can come, by the way. It's just better if they come incidentally rather than intentionally. Inevitably, if someone is really good, someone has real ihsan in what they're doing, inshallah, some people will recognize it at least. Maybe not everyone, because sometimes we're in a system that doesn't really recognize that. You know, but some people will recognize it. Some people will appreciate it. Some people will love it, and that will be enough. But they have to have real ihsan. If it's about like I just want to be powerful, or I just want to be wealthy, or I just want people to respect me, or I just want to be this or that or whatever else it might be, sometimes mundane, sometimes not mundane. You know, I just want to. Um, I have this pain inside of me, and I just want to get rid of it and. The easiest way to get rid of it is to inflict it on someone else. Like, okay, that's that's an irada. <laughs> that's a khatira, you know. Khatira, the, the thought can pass through the mind and say, yeah, you know, person cut me off, I should follow them <laughs> while they're driving. Or the khatira comes and it's like, I should really just drive super fast right now. You know, no, maybe you shouldn't. Or I should do this because then... You know, whatever. And sometimes when we get in the habit of not doing this, doing what our nafs, our self wants us to do becomes so secondary, um, second nature that we don't even realize we're doing it anymore. 
So, so then what happens is the heart dies because the muhasaba is left. How does it come back? Give it the muhasaba, give it that assessment. And he said, and help yourself to not have these false hopes. How did he do that part? Seeking, yeah, okay. He did, like, yeah, that's how I was going to do it. So, so seek and dealing with your false hopes by constantly remembering death. By constantly remembering death. Okay. Hassan al Basri radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to say, Ibn Adam inna anta ayyam, kullama dhahaba yawmun dhahaba ba'duk. He used to say, O son of Adam, you are just a bunch of days. Right? Like your worldly existence is just a bunch of days. And every time one day passes, a piece of you is gone. A piece of you is gone. It's gone now. Okay, another day passed, another piece is gone. Another day passed, another piece is gone. وَوَجَدْتُ أُصُولَ الْفُضُولِ الْمُتَحَرِّكَةَ مِنَ الْقَلْبِ تَذْهَرُ عَلَى السَّمْعِ وَالْبَصْرِ وَالْلِسَانِ وَالْغِذَاءِ وَالْلِبَاسِ وَالْمَسْكَنِ So he says, and then when we're looking at this issue of these excessive things that we partake in, I found that these, um, the foundations of these things that are affecting the heart, they show up on the hearing and the sight and the speech and the food intake and the clothing and the way of living or the residence of the person. So what is the idea? There's these things that are affecting the heart, right? Once those things are in the heart and they start to negatively affect the heart and they're changing the heart to what's worse, then that, when it's there, starts to show up in other places. This is such a... It, it, it's really kind of like intimidating at some level, but it's also really beautiful at some level. Because it's a reminder to us that everything is connected. You know? Um, one of the righteous people, <coughs> one of the early righteous people, He used to say, I disobey God and I see the consequence of it in the character of my donkey. He said, I disobey God and I see the character I see the consequence of it in the character of my donkey. Like there's a consequence. It's happening all the time. There's a whole different calculus of things that are happening in the unseen. So he said, These things when they start to affect the heart, then they show up on on the hearing, on the sight, on the tongue, on the food, on the body, in the clothes. Basically, they're going to show up everywhere. Okay? And then he gives a little bit of a breakdown. He says, Where, what, do they sh- what do they show up as in these different things? Okay, fine. It's, showing, it's going to come to the heart. When it moves from the heart into the limbs, what does it show up as in the limbs and in the life? ففضول السمع يخرج إلى السهو والغفلة. So 
this excessiveness and heedlessness when it comes to one's listening on their ears, it shows up in a kind of like a neglectfulness and a heedfulness, a forgetfulness. You know, they're just not attentive. And not they're not paying attention. Now, it's really funny. Like when when we were kids, it became you know it's fun. Uh, human beings are funny, right? Like there's always some new thing that's popular. I don't know why. For at some and I remember this when probably I was in middle school or something. One of the popular things that was that people would say was give a listen. They wanted to like you know be like give a listen, you know like. And you kind of make fun of them after that, usually, right? But you start it with give a listen. And it, what he's saying is that if you keep lending your ear, right? Even this expression in English is a really interesting expression, right? Lend, you lend your ear to this, you lend your ear to that. Why? The ear is actually a really fascinating thing. The eye, you can close it. You can turn away. The ear, you can't control, right? You're subject to whatever it is that you put yourself in the company of, you're subject to it when it comes to the ear. It's really fascinating. It can't just be like, of course people have these whatever now. We have, people used to do that in the past too. But uh, If you, one lends their ear to this heedlessness and foolishness, then it results in them being heedless. So they, uh, subhanAllah, it shows up like that. You guys know the story of Tufail ibn Amr al-Dawsi? You remember his story? Tufail ibn Amr al-Dawsi? It's from the companions of the Prophet He has a funny story with the ears. Tufail was a Dos. Dos is a tribe, right, that was in Arabia. It's actually also the tribe that um, Abu Huraira was originally from, I believe. Wasn't he? Abu Huraira's Dosi? Anyone? Abu Huraira was Dosi, I think. I think it was Abu Huraira. He was Abdurrahman ibn Sakhir al-Dosi. Anyways, uh, Dos, uh, this man, Tufail, he comes from Dos. And they were like their own tribe. And he was a leader in his tribe. If not the head, he was a very high person in his tribe. And very knowledgeable. And of course, you know, if someone's in that position, they have some expertise. They have some wisdom. They know how to deal with situations. And he was a master poet. And he would come to Mecca to do business. So he came to Mecca. And as he's coming to like the outskirts of Mecca, the people in Mecca who know him, they come to him, they sell him to fail. Listen, there's this guy amongst us. He's a really bad guy. He's calling people to bad things. And he's breaking up families. He's taking people apart from their communities. You know, his name is Muhammad. Just be careful with him, you know. And even the best thing that you can do, he says these words. You know, he has these things that he recites. And when he recites them, it like overcomes people, overtakes them, you know. So what you should do is you should take something and you should put it in your ears. That way, if, even if you accidentally run into him, you won't be overcome by what he's saying. So Tufail was like, okay, sure, thanks for the advice. And he puts this thing in his ears. He goes into the town. and But look at these people like, the thing you love about them when you read them, like they're people of honor. You know, they have this like, this... Uh, Look what he did. He goes in. He's doing his thing and stuff. He sees Muhammad. Everyone knows, of course, who the Prophet is. Like, everyone knows Muhammad. He's Muhammad ibn Abdullah. He's grandson of Abdul Muttalib. Like, you, if you're in Mecca and you're coming to Mecca, you know who this man is, right? So he comes and he sees him and he sees him talking to people and stuff and he's like, can't hear anything. And he says, I sat and I, I, sat, I said to myself, 
You're the leader of your people. And you're a master poet. And you're this and this and this and this. And you put this thing in your ears so that you don't hear what this person has to say. Like, what's wrong with you? You take the thing, take the stuffing out and listen to what he has to say. And if it's good, you accept it. And if it's bad, you don't accept it. Like, what's wrong with you? You know? So he had this moment of like, he's like, so he takes it out. <laughs> he goes, he listens to what the Prophet them has to say. And then he's like, oh yeah, this is true. He becomes a Muslim. <laughs> he thinks, oh, this is true. This is good. So he becomes a Muslim. Trying to remember the way that the next part uh, happens. So then he becomes a Muslim. The Prophet tells him, go back to your people and call them to Islam. Imagine, he's like a new Muslim. But the thing is, like, you know, if someone is, is strong and they're good and they're sound, you know, the Prophet in many, you know, don't misunderstand me for saying this. He didn't bring anything new. Right? Tell, tell them, say to them, I'm not an innovation amongst the messengers. And I don't know what's going to happen to me, and I don't know what's going to happen to you. I'm just giving you the message. Right? It's like one time I was talking to my mom, and I was a new Muslim. I was like super, you know, excited and everything. And I was telling her about certain things and telling her about certain things and so on. And she was just like, yeah, you, you know, like that's all the stuff that we grew up with. <laughs> you know, like you're just telling me all the things that I already grew up with all this stuff. You know, the character and traits and all of these things, you know. I was like, huh. And I, I remember like sitting and thinking about that for a while. And then coming to a realization of what is it that the Prophet said? He said, He said, I was sent to bring to completion the best of character. He didn't say, I was sent to bring good character. Good character is there, right? Like we deal with people all the time, right? Good character is there. Bad character is there. Good character is there. People in general, they know. They know like when you're being honest, when you're being dishonest. When you fulfilled your word, when you didn't fulfill your word. When you're trustworthy, when you're not trustworthy. When they see you being someone who doesn't treat people right, when they see you treating people right. People know good character, generally speaking. You know? The nefs might get in the way, all kinds of things might get in the way, but they know good character. So the Prophet ﷺ, this man comes to him, and he's a leader of his people. And he can tell. He's a stable person. He doesn't tell him, you know what, you need to do a three-year intensive here in Medina. <laughs> you know? Or not, they weren't in Medina, it's in Mecca. Stay here in Mecca for three years. Also, Mecca wasn't really so safe for Muslims anyways, right? So he tells him, go. Go back to your people, call them to Islam. Some time passes, and he comes back. I might be mixing this up slightly, but this is the general gist of the story. Some time passes, he comes back. He tells the Prophet he says salam everything else. Prophet says, how everything's going? He says, you know, my people, they're corrupt people. Make dua, Ya Rasulullah, that Allah destroys them. <laughs> like, you know, he went back, he tried to invite them to Islam. They didn't accept Islam. So he comes back to the Prophet, he's like, that's it. Just make dua against them, that Allah destroys them. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, he, he made dua for them. He prayed for them. He said, oh Allah, guide the people of Dos. 
and open their hearts to Islam. And he made a dua for uh, Tufail, and he told him, go back to your people, وَرْفَقْبِهِمْ Go back to your people and be gentle with them. Go back to your people and be gentle with them. And then some time passed and, mashallah, basically the tribe came as Muslims. So, the amazing people. But the point here was the issue of the listening. If I'm giving myself to listen to things that are useless, then I will find that <coughs> my life is being filled with things that are useless. وَفُضُولَ الْبَصْرِ يُخْرِجُ إِلَىٰ أَنْغَفْلَةِ It's interesting. I don't know how he... Uh, must be experiential. A lot of things in, in the realm of the heart are experiential. Right? So like the Sharia gives us guidelines. And then people might say, like, okay, this worked, this didn't work. This is what happens if you do this. So he said, and being excessive in your vision leads to heedlessness and confusion. Is that how? What did he? Negligence and confusion. Yeah, heedlessness or negligence and confusion. It's really interesting, actually. I don't know that it needs much commentary, but I think it's one of those things that needs to be thought about a little bit. Just kind of like sat with. Okay, if I'm not controlling my vision, by the way, not controlling my vision isn't only to like looking at the opposite gender or something. That's not. Of course, that's part of it, obviously. But there's other things related to this. For example, like always looking at the material things that other people have that I don't have. This is something also I should lower my gaze from. Uh, looking all the time at things that maybe aren't really like my concern. You know? Practical example. I, I, I'm Miftoon. I have a, that never-ending fitna that happens to people who study religion. So we have this problem that we're never satisfied with our studies and we're always looking at other things to study. And it's totally impractical and unreasonable at all times. So it's like, I need to do this. And then I'll like look and I'll find it. And it's like 150 hours, you know. I need to sit down and give dedicated time to this 150 hours so I can study this course and take notes on it and whatever, you know? And then I'm like, then after I go through like two or three hours of thinking about it, you know? like, I should, should I do this book or should I do this book? Maybe I'll do this one, maybe I'll do that one. Well, so-and-so said this about this one. Well, this one said this about this one. Okay, what class is there online? There's this class that's already there, there's this class. We've gone through now, three hours have been wasted trying to figure out which of them to do, right? I'm telling you. And then I sit there afterwards and I think to myself, you don't have any time to do any of this in the first place. <laughs> like, there was, there's not any space to do it. Like, okay, fine, alhamdulillah, you should study that book. I don't have any time to study that book. Uh, I have this work and that work and my wife's work and my children and my family and my household and my aging parents and everything else that we all have, right? We all have these different things that are our responsibilities. I don't have time to spend 200 hours reviewing fiqh. I just don't. It, I would love to. Like really, if I could just have a couple years. But you know it's a false hope, right? It's a false hope. It's, it's automatically a false hope. In my head, I'm like, just give me like two years. I could, all these things that I missed, I can just fill them in now. And I know exactly how to do it now because time passed and like 
the different perspective on it, it's not going to happen. You know, it's false hope. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. In the end of the day, I'm looking at something and spending my time and my heart on something that's not what I should be spending my time on. It's the reality of it. Is it bad? It's not even bad. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, actually. But is it the thing that I'm supposed to be doing? No, it's not. So when we say like, and he's not talking about the muharram of the basr, the fudul of basr, the looking at things that is unnecessary for us to look at it in the first place. So one of the descriptions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is jullu basrihi ilal ard. Think about that. If the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, one of the descriptions is jullu basrihi ilal ard. Most of his glance was to the ground. He's not looking around at everything all the time, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm doing that thing. What happens if you don't do that? Ghafla is heedlessness and hayra. Hayra is confusion. This is the, the, I think this is what I'm saying. If you sit and you think about it, I think we'll see it. But I'm always looking, 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 looking at this, looking at this, looking at this. What happens in the end? You just end up confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to focus on. I don't know what my priority is. Because I looked around too much. But if I just looked at what was right in front of me, it was right there in front of me. It's right there. Allah forgive us. وَفُضُولُ الْلِسَانِ وَفُضُولُ الْلِسَانِ يُخْرِجُ إِلَىٰ التَّزَيُّدِ وَالْبِدَعَةِ تَزَيُّدِ وَالْبِدَعَةِ How did he translate this one, Shaykh Anas? تَزَيُّدِ I'm curious. Okay, and? Okay, get it. Talking too much leads to, like talking when it's not necessary leads to talking too much. It sounds like it's it sounds like it's saying the same thing, but it's really not actually. <laughs> like the fudul is not necessarily too much; it's just extra, excessive, right? Excessive speech will lead to talking too much. You see. So like, I didn't need to say that extra sentence, but I said that extra sentence. If I get in the habit of doing that, then it becomes five sentences. It becomes endless sentences. It becomes all extra stuff. Well, bid'ah, innovation. SubhanAllah, this one true. Alhamdulillah, we're at the end of the time for the lesson. And bid'ah. Bid'ah is like blameworthy innovation, right? We see this all the time. What happens when someone's talking too much? Usually when a person's talking too much, they start taking positions on things that they don't really have a whole lot of business taking positions on. Or they take the position and they stretch it a little bit. So they push it a little bit, they push it a little bit, they push it a little bit. So what happens when you push it a little bit over and over again? It leads to bid'ah. You start to have innovations. Like, okay, well you didn't actually... Not good ones, the bad ones. Fill up the space ones. Right? I was just trying to fill up the space. I came up with something extra that was bad. Especially in like religion, right? You see this all the time in religion. People talk too much about deen instead of doing it. And you end up in like a gathering and you're like, wow, all of you have a lot of opinions. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know, like, 
<laughs> like you just said this thing and there's it's the sentence was 12 words and there's six things that are wrong in it <laughs> like I, I really don't know like how do you even where do you start where do, where does one begin in this oh, subhanallah because we feel like we feel like there's something religious about talking about religion there's not really anything religious about talking about religion <laughs> You know, we're in a class, it's, it's whatever, I'm expected to come and do this, you know. And, uh, but, like, talking about religion doesn't make you religious. Even I was thinking about one time, like, this statement, the statement of the Prophet ﷺ about how when people have conversation and there's no mention of God in it, how it's useless. And I was realizing that, like, even a lot of our religious conversation, there's no mention of God in it. You know, it's like this community issue and that community issue and this thing and that thing and this organization and this institution. There's no Allah in it. And we're like, subhanAllah, this is hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. So it leads to this problem. Um... Look at the way uh, There's such subtleties in um, So this person who was named Ya'la ibn Ubaid He said we entered upon someone who was named Muhammad ibn Suqa And Kufi al-Abid al-Salih al-Muhaddith al-Tabi'i So he was from Kufa He was a worshipper He was a righteous person He was a scholar of hadith And he was a, had met the companions of the Prophet Muhammad ibn Suqa And he said to us, the person who's telling the story, says, we entered upon him, he said to us, He said, should I not share something with you? Maybe it will benefit you, because it benefited me. Look at even like the focus in his speech, right? What is the focus in the speeches? Maybe, what do you think? Should I share this with you? It benefited me. Uh, we talked about Ata last time, right? Remember? Ata ibn Abi Rabah. Anyone? Didn't we talk about him last time? Was he here? Was it? I think it was here. Anyone? Who can tell us anything about Ata ibn Abi Rabah? Should be a name people know. No? Alhamdulillah. Nobody? Anything? Ata. Okay. Ata ibn Abi Rabah is the student of Ibn Abbas He's like the premier student of Ibn Abbas And especially in the Qur'an And he's from the Fuqaha al-Manasik He was from the people who were the senior scholars of the fiqh, the fiqh of Hajj and Umrah And he was one of the, I think only two That were the ones who were allowed to give fatwa on Hajj and Umrah When people come into Mecca I believe he was in Mecca if I'm not mistaken and importantly, he was black, like African black. This is very early. He's a student of Ibn Abbas. Ibn Abbas, of course, is the companion of the Prophet, peace be upon him. This is really early. So like the person in the most prominent publicly and intellectually position in his time, he's a top handful of people, was this black African man. Here's what, so this man is quoting him. The one who said, should I not tell you something? Here's what Ata said to us. Ata said, 
إن من كان قبلكم كانوا يكرهون فضول الكلام وكانوا يعدون وكانوا وكانوا يعدون فضول الكلام ما عدا كتاب الله أن يقرأ أو أمر بمعروف أو نهي عن منكر أو أن تنتق في حاجتك في معيشتك التي لا بد لك منها Just a side note. I don't know what the percentage of the room is that can understand Arabic. Like how many people when I read this can understand it? Alhamdulillah, that's good. I don't do it necessarily because the room can understand it, just so we're on the same page. <laughs> you know? I do it because this is part of our tradition and because it's beautiful. And because this is a certain gathering. If I'm in the Friday prayer, for example, maybe I'm not going to do it the same way. But, uh, you know, hopefully it's a little bit encouragement to us to slowly, slowly pick up words in Arabic. Even if it's only the words. Like if you, you know, there's enough words that if we cover them over time, you can start to pick them up. I was doing this with my class in the school. That like, here's the 20, 30 vocab words. Like if we covered this two, three pages of the Qur'an, four pages, five pages of the Qur'an, what it means, roughly and you know these 20 words, you should be able to recognize that word and pick out what's happening in that verse because we just covered it, right? So you start to pick it up over time. And there's no shame in that. It's also not a bad thing to sometimes listen to something you don't understand. It's okay. I used to love, when I first married my wife, I used to love going to her house and nobody spoke English. Everybody spoke Farsi. Nobody else was married into the family at that point. You know, it was, I was the only foreigner, so to speak, right? So the default language in the house is still Farsi. It was beautiful. It was so much better. <laughs> Honestly, like, it was much better than it is now. Alhamdulillah, like, it's great that the family's bigger and stuff. Alhamdulillah, that's nice. But that, like, now everyone is, doesn't, almost everyone who married into the family doesn't speak Farsi. Only one out of six. Only one person speaks Farsi. So now the default language in the house is not Farsi anymore, right? Everyone speaks English. It's not as fun. Expressions are not the same. It's, not, it's just not the same, you know? Languages are beautiful. It's a great gift from Allah to human beings in language. Incredible. So he said, uh, Ata said, the people who came before you, they disliked excessive speech. And they considered excessive speech anything other than the Qur'an being read or some good being called to or some bad being prohibited or a person speaking and what is necessary for them to say in order to take care of their worldly needs. And outside of that, everything else is extra. And they didn't like the extra. <laughs> I had a long tangent this morning in the Sunday morning class on putting things in the right place. Don't go turn into extremist on me, okay? Like there are times to talk, you can talk, so on. But also it's good to know these things. Like the, you know, uh, I told this story before one time, one of the sheikhs, he was, we, went, we landed in a city and then everyone went to somewhere outside the city. It took a couple hours. And the sheikh was riding with someone else. And... Uh, he, we, we got to the place, he was giving his, we sat down, we were talking to him. He said, you know, so-and-so that I rode with, he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. 
And we said, okay, Shaykh. And he said, and we just drove this whole time. We didn't say anything to each other. It's beautiful, actually. You know, it's like... Uh, but there was no phone. You know, it's like they didn't say anything to each other, but nobody was on their phone. I used to, I remember I used to see that, subhanAllah. You used to go visit, especially older people. They might be sitting in the evening, you sit, you have tea. Maybe no one says anything. But everyone's there. You know, it was different. And everyone understood each other. And they were just like happy to be together, you know. So it's good that, like, we don't have to turn into some extreme overnight. But it's good to understand that these things are possible. Like, I've traveled with Sheikh Fuad a number of times, alhamdulillah, Allah preserve him and increase him. We don't really talk much. <laughs> it's like, we're in this other country now, and we're like, wait a second, we didn't really... Like, there was nothing to talk about, so we just didn't talk. You, know, you read whatever you needed to read, and I did whatever I needed to do. And of course, Sheikh Fuad has his, like, command books. He has his Aqidah books. <laughs> he's got them with him, and he's doing his thing. And, alhamdulillah. I'm probably watching like some mafia movie or something, like an idiot. Shatana uh, Mabeno. Okay, last thing. Kana Ata. Another story about Ata. Qala Ismail ibn Umayyah. Qala Ismail ibn Umayyah. Kana Ata yutilu samt. فَإِذَا تَكَلَّمَ يُخَيَّلُ لَنَا أَنَّهُ يُؤَيَّدُ This is a fascinating statement. He said, كَانَ يُطِيلَ الصَّمْتِ وَإِذَا تَكَلَّمَ يُخَيَّلُ لَنَا أَنَّهُ يُؤَيَّدُ This means he used to be silent all the time. For long periods of time he'd be silent. He doesn't, doesn't say anything. He said, and then if he spoke, like... It, what we understood was as if he was being aided. You understand? Like basically he would be quiet as much as he could. And if he had something to say, they said when he would speak, we would feel like Allah, basically what it's saying is, when he would speak, Allah was aiding him in what he was saying. So his speech would have like a different flavor to it, a different effect to it. And I think I mentioned this last time, but this is one of the things that was said about Sheikh Sharawi. The, this was actually, I think I said it last week, right? Was I here last week? Yeah, last week. I think it was last week. Yeah. I'm like, was it even here? Um, and then I went home and I found the same story actually. SubhanAllah, I found the original story. And this was said by someone who grew up with him. So I was saying like, we grew up together and like we went through studies together. We went through all these things together. And he would always be... And I, so I got to recheck it. It was two things. That he would always be silent in the gatherings. Even if he was, he was like the most knowledgeable person there. But he would just be silent. And he would never take a position of prominence in the gatherings. So it would be like people get together. He wouldn't sit like at the head of the gathering. He would sit somewhere where he would be kind of hidden. And then the person who grew up with him was saying, he said, and I believe that this is the secret of why, like, when he started to teach, it was as if, like, everyone says it. When you listen to Sheikh Sharawi's tafsir, you're like, subhanAllah, mu'ayyad. 
Like Allah really gave him fatah. Allah opened up things for him. And it's unbelievable. The things that he said and the connections that he made and so on and so forth. And that, so Allah gave him that and Allah gave him prominence. But he was never seeking it. You know? So it's about Ata. He would be long, long in his silence and then if he spoke, yukhayyul lana. Yukhayyul lana is like, Sometimes they translate it as imagined, but it's not like imagined in the same sense. Because imagined in English has a, has a feeling of being fake, right? This is not a, imagined in Arabic doesn't necessarily have to do with can, but it doesn't always have to do with being fake. Khayal. And alam and khayal is real, actually. You know, huh? It's like we're given the impression. We're given the impression, yeah. We were made to understand. Or like we, you know, it was clear to us that he was being aided in what he was saying. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. صلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم الحمد لله رب العالمين. So we have any comments or questions or things you would like to share before we break for the best dinner in all of Orange County. No one, nothing. Alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the gift of reaching the month of Ramadan. May Allah give us the blessing of reaching Ramadan. And may it be a month of great openings and gifts. And alleviation. And victory. And alleviation of suffering. <coughs> Allah <laughs> ربنا آتنا من لدنك الرحمة وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين اللهم إلنا الحق حقا وزقنا اتباعا وإلنا الباطل باطلا وزقنا اجتنابا اللهم زقنا حسن الخاتمة اللهم زقنا حسن الخاتمة اللهم إلنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن إبادتك يا عالم السر منا لا تهتك الستر عنا وعافنا وعف عنا وكن لنا حيث كنا اللهم إنقذ خلوبنا لك ونبهنا من الغفة عنك وجعل آخر كلامنا لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله عدد كمال الله وكما يلفت بكماله سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب بارك الله فيكم Does anyone know the official verdict of dinner? Is dinner ready? Is any official messenger? Anyone know? Yes, maybe so. If they need, the reason I'm asking if they need time, we'll pray. If the food is ready, 
and we'll pray on the food. So, let's see. It's good. Bismillah. Qumu ila ta'am. Yes. Yes, you have something? Go ahead, Sheikh. Go ahead. Well, with the, the remedy of the, the corruption of the heart, are there like other remedies beyond uh, the muhasaba itself, or is that like the crux that we should focus on? Like mentioning uh, like other types of Yeah, so Sheikh Honest is asking. Um, this issue of rectifying the corrupt heart muhasaba, holding it to account, is that um, the only remedy? Are there other remedies? Or is this kind of like the crux of the issue? Um, tell me what you think. So maybe you have something else in your, something in your head, but I, um, I feel like all of it in the end goes back to this. Like all of the other tools, you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this, and you can do this. All of those in the end are acts of muhasabah. And they're, they're acts of taking the self to account. I don't know. That's what I feel like. What do you think? Uh, I see. Like I hear, I've read some other works where you know, it talks about how uh, it was Ibrahim al-Khawaj, where he mentions in uh, his book on the etiquette of handling or holding on to the Quran about the five uh, being with good people uh, you know praying long prayers mm-hmm. of, uh, Allah wa I was just trying to correlate yeah yeah so there's other things that talk about reading the Quran praying praying in the night um, being around good people yeah but I think that all of those things are going to go back to muhasaba. Like if I'm going to be around good people, I have to take myself to account so that I'm, good, I'm around good people. If I want to pray in the night, I have to discipline the nafs a little bit. There is though, when I'm thinking about this, I mean, you know, muhasabi, everything has adhwaq, uh, you know, there's different flavors on things. And muhasabi's flavor is a flavor of, of muhasaba. Right, <laughs> that's why he's called what he's called. Like his his flavor is a flavor of like taking the self to account. But I think that we've talked about before, like this idea that there's. I don't think you can get around taking ourselves to account, but there are kind of like two. <coughs> two. Um, there is the question of like. Do you wash out the cup and then pour the water into it to rinse it? Or do you rinse it so much that what needs to be washed out of it gets washed out? And there is there are two approaches to that. Like there is the approach of, yeah, there's a lot of things I need to get out of myself, but if I just do a bunch of good, it's gonna get rid of it. So, you know, there there is like the, the there is like this idea of the path of jihad against the self. And there is the path of shukr, path of gratitude. In reality, both of them are always going to be used, you know. But and there are things that can help, you know. 
Like for example, maybe someone struggles against himself for a long time <clears throat> and they don't find success in it. It's just not working for some reason. But then they meet like a righteous person and they ask them for their dua and then they have success in it. So yeah, I mean, things are... It's multiple pieces to things. But still, there's, a muhas- there's still a jihad against the self that has to happen. I don't know if it, we have to take it as like singularly, this is the only thing. So that's, that's good that you brought that up. Anyone else? Do you have anything you want to add to that? Are you sure?